Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. All right. Let's read some scriptures. And then let's pray for the word and let's get into it this morning. Exodus 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdol and the sea. Opposite Baal-Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Down to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Advance to verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? You little cry baby. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you your word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It discerns the very thoughts and intents of the human heart. And this morning, Lord, we invite the word of God because it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we pray the power of the word would be carried by the anointing of the spirit today. And Lord, you would speak into our lives. Lord, the first half of the circle, hear what you've got to do. And we pray today we take responsibility for the second half of the circle to go and be obedient. So we commit the word to you and we pray for your help. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So here we have a situation where the children of Israel, they don't know what freedom means. A man who once used to be a prince, 40 years back, disappeared off the scene. Nobody knew where he went. He tried to help the children of Israel out and then he just disappeared and suddenly he turns up and he turns up with a message that says, let my people go. What was the message for? Because for 400 years, God's people had been in slavery. They didn't even, he brought a message of freedom. They were going, freedom, huh? What's freedom? How do you know what freedom is when you've been told what to do every day of your life, every day that you've lived from generation to generation for 400 years? You don't even know what the meaning of the word freedom is. He said, well, Moses, that sounds like a great message, but I don't really understand what freedom really means. Every day they have the same routines, same day, day in, day out, the same things going on. And this man comes and brings a message and, uh, and, and, and this man 
as he's about to talk to the highest principality and ruler of the modern world. His name is Pharaoh. He's the most powerful potentate, the most powerful leader of the modern world in, in that day. And a man with a stick goes to talk to him and commands him to let all of his slave labor force go. Do you think he's going to be happy about letting millions of people who have been doing all the work for him to go? Of course he's not going to be happy. He's going to be upset. And he turns up with a stick. And the Lord had taken, the Lord said to Moses, when Moses said, well, what shall I do? And what shall I say? He said, what have you got in your hand? And can I say to you today that every one of you have something in your hand that when you give it to the Lord your God and surrender it under His power, God can turn that something that's in your hand to be something powerfully used by God. So He takes what's in His hand, a shepherd's staff, and He throws it on the ground at God's command and it turns into a snake. Moses runs away. He says, don't be afraid, pick it up by the tail and it'll turn back into a staff. Then he says, if, Mo, if Pharaoh won't believe that, he said, do the old leprosy trick. Hide your hand inside your coat. Take it out. Your arms as white as snow with leprosy. Put it back in under your, under your coat. Take it out again. Completely gone. That's a pretty good party trick, don't you think? So he says, I'm going to give you a few things that Pharaoh might listen to you. And then Moses says, I've got a problem. Go on my I've got a problem. He says, I can't talk. I've got a speech impediment. God responds to him, man, you don't get it. If I'm going to ask you to do something, who made your mouth? Wasn't that me? So Moses continues to wallow in his low self-esteem. And he says, all right then. He says, you're still going to be my man, but your brother can be the mouthpiece. And so whatever you tell him to speak, Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. So as a dynamic duo, Batman and Robin, they head off to Pharaoh. And they head off to Pharaoh with a message. Pharaoh, and, and the Lord warns Moses and he says, he says to Moses, he's not going to listen to you because I'm going to harden his heart. <laughs> Who do you think you are telling me what to do? And you know what he did? He gave them less straw to make more bricks. He says, I'm going to make you suffer because this guy thinks he can order me around. And then the people got an attitude with Moses because they said, you're just making our life more miserable. It would be better if you just stepped out of what you're doing and leave us alone. Have you ever felt that intimidation from the devil? You step up to do something for God and all of a sudden there's complaints, there's murmuring, people talking behind your back. And you know, you think, oh, well, it'd be better if I just walked out of here and just, you know, oh, well, they can just do it themselves. You ever had that happen in your life? You see, friends, when God asks you to do something, you've you got to realize there's always going to come spiritual opposition to what He's called you to do. Can I hear an amen this morning? It's never going to be an easy road when God commands you to do something because you have an enemy who is formidable. His name is the devil. And whilst we don't revere him, we have a healthy respect for him because he's been deceiving people for thousands of years and he's really good at it. I get nervous when I hear preachers mocking the devil. 
And then you find out years later down the track that they've been doing all sorts of deceptive things in their own life, friends. You don't have to mock the devil. All you need to do is quote who you are and who God says you are, that you have all power over the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Can I hear an amen this morning? So it happens. And so they have the plagues. And then God says to all the women, he says, I'm about to get you out of here. Pharaoh's going to let you go. I want you to go to all your neighbor's place and you're going to ask them for all their gold, all their finest clothes. You're going to clothe your own children who have been slaves with the finest linen of Egypt and you're going to walk out of here as millionaires. See, friends, why do we worry so much about provision? And one day, and one day, God plundered the economy of a nation to set his people up. You don't need to worry where your next provision's coming from. God's got it all under control. He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. God's got your back. If he knows a sparrow that falls to the ground and dies, if he knows how many hairs are on Alistair's head, then I want to tell you, he knows the state of your bank account and he knows how to fill it up. He knows how to get the bills paid. He knows how to keep you one step ahead. You quiet Presbyterian church this morning. Come on. Let's hear a few amens this morning. And so Moses begins to bring hope. And they begin to slowly believe in the words that he speaks because he's resolute now. He, he's a man who's met with God. He's a man who's downloaded a vision from God that he is to be the deliverer to set the children of Israel free after 400 years. Friends, I want to tell you what this church is all about. This world needs more people carrying a conviction, a conviction of spirit that says, I can be an influencer, I can be a life changer, I can make a difference with my life. And when my life is under the hand of God, all things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible to them who believe. Can I hear an amen this morning from you? Nothing is impossible. We need people who believe that they can make disciples who make disciples, changing the world one life at a time by the power of God. That's how the world gets changed, friends, one life at a time. And when that life has been changed properly, when that life has been discipled, you know what happens? That life goes and changes another life. And there's a chain reaction that's happening in the world as we begin to be people of conviction who are carrying a message of liberty and life change. To see people walk in this world upstream against a downstream current. You can do it, friends. You know, this world right now is in an absolute state and an absolute mess. But I want to tell you, if you took all the Christians off this planet right now, this earth, this earth, this planet would absolutely fall to pieces because you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. You remove the salt of the earth off this planet right now, she would fall to bits. Because people like you and me are holding this place together. And that's what Jesus said. He said, let your good works be seen. by your Father in heaven. And those who see those good works will glorify your Father in heaven. That's what the Word says. And so God has given us a mandate. So here's the situation. 
They hear the voice. They're so joyful. They've got the gold. They've got the provisions from the Egyptians. Pharaoh said, I'll let you go out into the desert and worship your God. And then he suddenly has a change of mind. They're so happy until they discover that Pharaoh wasn't true to his word. And the Bible says, listen to this, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again. Hello. Do we have some theological problems right now? I can understand the devil hardening his heart. He's a hard man as it is. He's been influenced by Satan over sight, but the Bible says the Lord hardened his heart and Pharaoh said he wouldn't chase them and suddenly he changes his mind and he's going back to reclaim his labor force. So why would God do that? Why would he say, I'm going to set you free in the morning and then he changes the ruler of the land in the afternoon to change his mind and start chasing them? And so here they are. And the verses we read of Exodus 14, this is where they are. Here's Migdol. And over here is the Red Sea. And he says, I want you to camp right here. Now, as we read this morning, they look up and they see the dust of 600 chariots that have been commissioned to hunt them down and destroy them. And what they don't destroy, they'll take back to Egypt. So they've got the sea in front of them, and they've got this, this place called Migdol over here, and they can see that they're in a cul-de-sac, they're in a dead-end street, they've got nowhere to go, they've been backed into a corner. So here's the question. What do you do when your life feels like it's been backed into a corner today? That's the question I want to ask you today. And what do you do when you suddenly realize that it hasn't necessarily been the devil that's backed you into the corner, but that God has positioned you in a dead end street? I want you just to mull on that question for a moment. You see, to understand this passage, and I was amazed at the song selection this morning as we were singing about the powerful name of Jesus. So if we could, can, have you got those slides there? Yeah. So if we can go to Migdol, this slide called Migdol. Migdol means tower. So they're parked between a big old tower and the Red Sea. And they've got nowhere to go. Pharaoh's chariots are chasing them down and they're stuck in this place. But you see, if you do, we all know that towers in those days were often used as a point as the watchman. So the watchman would climb up inside the tower and they, then they would get a vantage and a vista from up in the tower where they could see when the enemies were approaching. But if you do a little bit more research on the word tower, you discover this. That in that time and in that season, that inside the tower, it wasn't just a watchtower, it was an armory. 
So inside the tower, they would load up with all their arms and munitions that they would use in those days. I don't know what they were. Imagine they were catapults and crossbows and spears that were loaded up inside the tower. So they had, what they didn't realize as they were backed into the corner, that everything they needed to defend themselves was inside the tower. There was firepower in the tower. Now, what does the Bible say about a tower this morning? Let's have a quick look. This is what it says, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. This is what the psalmist penned in Psalm 61 verse 3. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Friends, when you became a Christian, when you took on the name of Jesus, you were given access to a tower that's filled with power, that has armory, that when you climb inside the tower, in the name of the Lord, there is a powerful defense release mechanism that can defeat every enemy that comes against you when you are using the name of the Lord against them. Look at this. Here's some promises from the New Testament of using the name of Jesus. Here's the first promise. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, not with my name, in my name, in the tower, the strong tower of my name, I am there in the midst of them. So that's why there's a stronger anointing when the church gathers together rather than you praying on your own, which you've all got to do. But friends, there can be an atmosphere of expectation and higher faith that can release the anointing of God when we come prayed up, when we come expectant, when we come realising that God's made a promise to us in the name of Jesus, that when we gather in His name, His presence will be here as we have already seen this morning. In the name of Jesus, His presence will be released. I can't tell you how hungry I used to be as a new believer. As a new believer, I'll never forget the day I was just such a new Christian. I didn't know anything about protocols or anything like that. And I can remember sitting halfway back and one day the word pierced my heart and the pastor said, if anyone wants to come forward for repentance and to, and to receive uh, forgiveness for your sins this morning, and I ran across the top of the chairs to get to the altar because I knew at this place here there was release and freedom and healing because in the name of Jesus, Jesus was in the presence, in the presence and in the midst of God's people. Amen, church. What else does it say about the name of Jesus? Mark 16, 17. These signs will follow those who believe, not don't believe, who've got hearts full of faith. In my name. There you go. In the strong tower. You're now climbing inside the tower at Migdol. You're not as defenseless as you thought you were. You're not on the ropes like you thought you were when these things start to trouble your life. It's, this is what the Word says. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
Wow. In his name, there is power to render demonic forces in other people's lives ineffective and to break the power of Satan over people's lives. I can guarantee right now that many of you know a person. You know a neighbor. You know a family member right now. Weird things are happening in their life. Things that happened to their father and mother are now happening to them. It's called a generational curse. And it's when a demon spirit attaches itself from one generation to another generation. And what takes place is they end up saying, I'm never going to be like my father. I'm never going to be like my mother. And you know what happens? That's exactly what they do. They end up copying the sins of their forefathers. And Jesus said, you have the power in my name to break that demonic stronghold and to cast it out of their lives. He said, in my name, when you pray for people, they can have the gift of speaking in a new language. Speaking in tongues is a language from heaven. I always say to this, it's a master stroke that God gave us a perfectly. How many of you in your own native tongue, sometimes when you go to pray, you run out of words to pray? All right, that's why he gave you the gift of speaking in new tongues because the, the great thing is, is that the Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you speak directly to God. Amen? And the Bible says that God understands every word. But here's the kicker. The kicker is it's like Morse code. A Morse code that the devil can't crack. He can't, he doesn't understand what you're praying. He can't marshal his demonic hordes around about that because he can't break the code. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking perfect prayer that only God understands. And the Bible says at the same time, your spirit man gets built up. Wow, what a weapon. What a weapon. In my name, there is a, this armory in the strong tower of the Lord is getting better and better. And then he says, and then he says, not only will you cast out demons, not only will you speak in new tongues, but he says, you will lay hands on sick people and they shall be healed. Pastor, does everybody you pray for get healed? No, they don't. And that's above my pay grade. I don't always understand that, but I tell you what, for the ones that do get healed, I'm absolutely thrilled. For the ones that do receive a mighty healing, or we've seen some great healings over our time in the ministry. So I'll never stop laying hands on the sick because Jesus said, when you do it in my name, people are going to get healed. I was talking to a brother before the service and he was just saying, you know, that he'd been through a, 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 a season of uh, sickness and working through things. And he said, this, he said to me, I want to encourage you, Pastor James. He said, the amount of people in this church that have continually come up to me and said, can I pray for you? You see, we've broken the back of something here. It's not just the man of faith and power at the front preaching the sermon that has the ability to pray for the sick. The Bible says every believer has the power and you guys are stepping up and you guys are stepping out and you guys are praying for the sick and you guys are seeing healing. How exciting is that? That's what we call the army of God. Praise God today. How about this one? How would you like to have an open, an open uh, heaven to do with the request that you make? John 14, verse 13. Whatever. Say that with me. Whatever. Not whatever. Whatever. 
You ask in my name that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The Bible says in 1 John 5, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he's heard from us and we know that if he's heard from us, he will answer the request. Isn't that incredible promise of God? If we ask anything according to the will of God, well, what's the will of God? It's in the word of God. Learn your Bible and you'll know there's a whole lot of stuff that you can do because it's in the will of God and when you're doing it in His name. So I want to let you know today, there's power in that tower. You're not only going to find comfort, you're not only going to find shelter in the name of the Lord, but you're going to find the weapon that will defeat your enemies as you come with faith in your heart to rebuke the enemy at the gate. You can lay hands on the sick. You can cast out those unclean spirits. You can lay hands on sick bodies and see them coming. You know, when uh, you remember the story of David and Goliath. David was a kid, 17 years old. Goliath was a seasoned soldier who was nine and a half feet tall. If he was in the NBA, he'd be slam dunking everything. He wouldn't even have to jump. He'd just reach up and go, bam. Every single time. He was a huge man. He was feared by the enemies. So what is it that a 17-year-old boy has the courage above seasoned and trained soldiers who have been at war, who are all paralyzed by fear? What is it that young David had that they didn't have? What was the secret that they had? Here's the verse. Chapter 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. In other words, you've got your weapons that you're bringing to me, but here's my weapon. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The devil will come at you with all sorts of intimidation, all sorts of weapons, accusations, putting you down, intimidating your life. But I tell you what, he might have some weapons, but when you come to him in the name of the Lord, you don't come with the name of the Lord, you come in the name of the Lord. Friends, when you become a Christian, when you, when you become saved, it's not just enough to know his name. We've got to wear his name as believers. We've got to take on his name. If you want to put it like that, that's your new patch that you're wearing. The new gang that you belong to is the one that wears and takes on the name of the King of Kings. And then we learn how to walk in His name. And then we learn how to use and walk in the authority and the power of that name. So I want to ask you a question today. Maybe you're backed into a corner this morning. Maybe there's some area of your life where you feel a little paralyzed today. Where you feel like you've got a roadblock in front of you called the Red Sea. And you've got the Egyptians stirring up the dust behind you and they're closing in on you and you're not quite sure what to do. The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, over some, over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you you today. You see, this is what the devil will do. He's the master at spiritual intimidation. 
Now sometimes, in fact, can I say most of the time, spiritual intimidation comes through a human being. Hello. Somebody in whom the devil has access in their emotions and in their life. You've probably worked for a few people like this. You thought you were getting on really well with the boss and suddenly one day the boss just turns on you and then starts slam dunking you. And you think, Flip, what did I do? I was just going about my day. And you're pressing into God and you're moving forward and then these these intimidatory comments and things that get said towards you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe, maybe it's a close person to you. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. And all of a sudden you feel the torch of the accuser of the brethren coming against you. Because I want you to notice what the Pharaoh said in this passage of Scripture. He says in Exodus 14 verse 3, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. This is what the devil was hoping, hoping for, that they would get bewildered in the desert, that they would become entangled in this new uh, found freedom that they, they were in. Because you've got to remember, friends, what happens? What happens to a life that's only known imprisonment? What happens to a life that's always had full-on boundaries around it. We see this happening, and I saw this happening with some of my children, my own children, where they were full-on Christians until the age of 18, and they went to universities. They went into the secular world, and they got absolutely slam-dunked by the powers of darkness that were working inside the universities in our nation. And for one reason or another, they never stood up against it, and they got, they got hit. They got hit by the devil. And they got entangled in the land that they were in. This is what the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5 verse 1, friends. When God gives you freedom, you need to stand fast in that freedom today. Galatians 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Why, friends? Because as soon as you allow entanglements to come back into your life, they will wrap themselves around your arms, legs, your eyes, your mind. And you'll find yourself going back and doing stuff that you used to do before you came to Christ and before you know you've been pulled back into the world. Paul says, stand fast. Submit to God, James says. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. You can't resist the devil until you first submit yourself to God. I know too many Christians who are playing with fire in the world and they're trying to rebuke the devil, but they haven't submitted their life to God. You're going to have no platform to be able to stand against the devil unless you first submit to the Lord. What does that mean? That means those edgy areas in our lives that we know we're not walking right with God. We need to submit them to the Lord. Then you can resist the devil and then he will flee from you. Can I hear an amen this morning on that? So what are they going to do? They're trapped in between. And this is what the Lord says. You know, let's just have a reminder again. Here they are, Migdol with the tower. Here they are in the Red Sea over this side. 
And God says, why are you crying? Why are you, all the children were crying. You know what they were actually said? You know what they actually said? This is in Exodus 13. They said it would have been better if we never left Egypt. Can you imagine that? They have their first taste of freedom and as soon as the giant of fear and intimidation comes against their life, they're saying, it would have been better if we hadn't even come out here to experience a taste of freedom in the first place. And God says, stop being crybabies. It's time to move forward. But they're saying, hang on a minute. I'm looking at my naturalized God. You want us to move forward. There's a a big obstacle called an ocean right in front of us. How are we going to move forward? You're saying move forward. And so again, God speaks to Moses, that normal everyday instrument of a shepherd's staff for looking after the sheep. He says, point that staff at the Red Sea. And at my command, I'm going to open the Red Sea so there's going to be two walls of water and dry land. And you're going to take the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea. And when you get to the other side, I want you to lower the staff and I'm going to drown every chariot, every Egyptian soldier, every captain of the forces of those hosts. And you'll see their bodies washed up on the shore. Did you know if you read it even closely, the Bible says that that the Lord mucked around with the bearings on the chariot wheels. Have a read of your Bible. And that's when they started saying, whoa, they've got supernatural assistance here. And they started getting scared and they wanted to turn back, but it was too late. And the Lord drowned all of their enemies behind them. Friends, I want to say this to you this morning. You may have something like a big red sea, a massive obstacle that you're seeing with your natural eyes today in front of you. But I want to tell you today that you have a strong tower. It's called in the name of Jesus. And when your enemies begin to come against you, you can begin to stand up in the full authority of that name. You've seen the Word of God today. You've seen the powerful uh, force and release that the name of Jesus can give you in many dynamic situations. And it's time for you and me to stop crying. And it's time for us to move forward. Amen, church. It's time for us to stand fast in the liberty and the freedom that we have received not to get entangled with the world again, not to go back to our old life, but it's time for us to stand up in the full stature of the man Christ and begin to move forward into the future that God has for you. Can I challenge you this morning, church? Do you have something already in your heart? Do you have a vision? Do you have a dream for what God wants to do in your life in 2018? Guess what? It's the 3rd of December, 2017. This year is fast running out. God's still got us, God's still got some things that He's going to do in our lives over the course of December 2017. But I want to ask you a question today. What kind of faith? is in your heart today that's going to cause you to walk through your Red Seas 
in the name of Jesus and to begin to tell your enemies that they are no longer going to entangle you, bewilder you, but today they get their marching orders from you in the name of Jesus. Can we stand to our feet this morning?